Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Washington Wizards All-Star Guard Bradley Beal. Stay with us. We're in Minnesota and you guys just flew in coming off of pretty wild night in Boston. You go for 44, you know, just a tooth and nail game with the Celtics, a lot of scoring. You've been through some battles with different teams in Washington up there. Yeah. Is that one of the places where when you get into a shootout like that, there's just, when you've got history with a place like that, it, it, like it kind of feels like you've been there before. For sure. You get a little juiced about it, you know, um, it's definitely crazy, you know, given the history that we've had it's and how it's changed over the years. You know, it went from almost like a, a bloodbath rivalry, you know, to, you know, just competitive games, you know, today and, and even more competitive since my little brother Jason Tatum's on the Celtics. So it's been great. You know, it's definitely, it gives you the energy boost, you know, being in that historical building, being in that environment, uh, and just knowing where we were in the playoffs and all of our battles, it definitely, it still hits home. Especially in the East, and when you had your best teams in Washington, you had to go through Boston, you had to go through Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But is there something about that building when you still play in there? The fans are, it's, it's a raucous place, right? It's unbelievable. Like the atmosphere is, you can barely hear yourself think they love their fans. I mean, they love their team. Um, and they're probably some of the best fans in the game. You know, you respect everything that they bring, you know, their intensity every night. And just being in that building alone, it just, it just makes you feel a part of history. Like, and, you know, it really humbles you in a lot of ways and just realizing, you know, where you are. Your capability of being on the same floor that a lot of legends played on and, and just continuing to carry that out. When you have a game like that and you walk out and you look at the box score and you get on the bus and, and you're leaving, do you think about, I'd like to come back to this place with John in a uniform and these young guys a year older. And do you think about that after a night like that? I'd like to, I'm going to be back here soon with more than I had tonight. Yes and no. Um, I say yes because I'm competitive and I want to win, you know, and I know that getting to the promised land, getting to where you want to get to, you probably got to go through them, you know. Um, so it's definitely having that in hindsight, but, you know, at the same time, it's like everything happens for a reason. You know, everything, every piece of growth, you know, every road of adversity that you hit, you know, is all for a reason. John being out, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So it's just taking advantage of where we are, taking advantage of the young guys we have, develop them. You know, let John get back 110% with his whole body. And uh, it gives me a chance to be able to lead and, you know, kind of evolve my game into what I want it to be as well. So it's a, it's a blessing in disguise in a way. You know, it's, it's definitely not easy playing without him. and um, But it's definitely helped me in a lot of ways as well. Brad, the, the leadership that you've got to bring every day, every practice with Rui, with Thomas Bryant, with this young group – did you just learn it by going through it? Did you go to any guys, maybe peers in the league or guys who played before you who went through similar rebuilds where you become the veteran, the all-star, and you got these young guys? Did you get advice from anybody about how am I supposed to handle this day in and day out? It's crazy. I actually talked to Ray Allen during the summer in, in his tenure when he was in Milwaukee and Seattle and his years were rugged, you know, they weren't always great, but, you know, he was one of the best players and he was always making sure that they were in the playoffs or, you know, making some type of noise. And I kind of, you know, he's one of my favorite players, somebody I idolize. So 
him on and off the court. So it's when I talked to him, it was you know I felt like I was in the same you know predicament that he was in. You know, signing an extension where you were versus leaving. Um, you know, trying to control and you know fix what you have. You know, in the area that you're in, and or do you want to leave? You know, and just having that conversation with him and just breaking down who I am as a player, who I am as a man, and how I've gotten to where I am. You know, of being loyal, of being, you know, committed to myself, being committed to the work, you know, and, and believing in the hand that you're dealt all the time. You know, it was kind of just a no-brainer to just duke it out, you know, and just make it work. And my leadership has to grow. It's constantly growing every day. Um, it's not perfect, but I feel like it was kind of, I kind of have a natural knack for it. Was there one thing Ray left you with from that time in the summer that kind of bounces around in your head? Sounds like minor, but in, in every decision, it's, it's, it's true. But he was like, ultimately, it's your decision. And the only person that can make Brad happy is Brad. And you have to do what you feel is best for your family, for, for you. You can't think about, oh, is the grass green on the other side? Oh, is it, you know, are we not going to be as good here? Like, is it going to be a struggle here? Like, you can't always necessarily you know, think in in those terms because you can always play devil's advocate on the other side. So for me, it was just, you know, sticking to your guns, you know, what got me here and uh, and try to fight it out. How much in this league, when you went through the decision about signing the extension or playing it out, and I think if you had said to them, guys, I'm not signing the extension, I don't think I'm going to be here, you know at that point it triggers they're going to start looking for a trade. And then you'll have, you know, the way it works is teams probably not going to trade for you unless they feel confident you want to be there and resign. So it like, it isn't free agency, but it's sort of like half free agency mm-hmm. a little bit. You have some, a little bit of voice because you can make it clear to a team. When you're going through that, how many people are there that you're really listening to? You really care what they think about what you should do? Uh, you know what? I actually listen to a lot of people. You know, uh, granted, everybody has an opinion, and that and that's all it is. I know at the end of the day, it's going to be my decision, but I do listen to a lot of people. I listen to my family, my friends, coaches, my peers, and I kind of just gravitate. Like, are there common denominators in everything everybody's saying? Like, I'm a firm believer in having signs and things of that nature. So, if anybody's saying the same things, like repetition-wise, like okay. It'll, it'll probably stick and resonate with me and it'll probably have some type of impact on the decision, but not much. But I do like to listen, um, to other people because all I know is DC. I have, I've never been anywhere else. So I don't know what the other side's like. I don't know what it's like to even be a free agent. So, um, you know, to kind of halfway experience it in a way, it was, it's definitely kind of nerve wrecking. Uh, especially when the media is like can gas it up, you know, a lot stronger. Every day you were getting traded to a new place. Every right? every day was a new location, so it was just it was it was it was crazy in that aspect. Um, but at the same time, I think it's prepared me for what's to come down the line. But uh, at the same time, it's 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 a whirlwind. It can, it could be it can be overwhelming at times. But for me, I just I do a really good job of picking and choosing what I need to hear and what I don't need to hear. When you haven't been somewhere else and all you've known is the Wizards mm-hmm. and there was success here. You guys went deep in the playoffs a couple of times mm-hmm. and you had very good teams and, you know, but you also started to look and say, all right, how are we building this? Who's running it? All those things. How did you go about sort of educating yourself 
while I haven't played anywhere else, there are things to compare the Wizards against around the league, and I can get information about how we run an organization, how Ted's doing it, how the front office is doing it, versus other places. Was that important for you to sort of have an understanding of what was out there compared to what you what was still here? For sure, you know, because um, I think last year I had like 24 teammates, 24 different teammates from trades and everything and last year. So, and just being around other guys, they always say, oh man, you should, you should see what this place is like. You should see what that place is like. Like, it's totally different. Like, it's a different field, different atmosphere, different organization. And it's like, yeah, like I can, I can see that. I can feel it, but at the same time, like, I have a lot of control here. Like, I have the ability to be able to have some type of safe cells, to have some type of power, which you don't get really anywhere in this league. So to be able to have that, you know, and to be able to have the, the relationship that I have with Ted and have the, with with Coach Brooks and, and, and Tommy Shepard, like, it's, it's, um, it's beautiful in a way. You know, you don't, you don't see that every day. You don't see that respect. You don't see that. That type of power given to players a lot. You know, it's very few that have that. And, you know, to be a part of the decision-making processes throughout the whole summer, um, you know, to see the plans that, you know, we want to put in place and make happen. Those all were, like, confidence builders for me, you know, especially hearing, okay, what this organization does, you know, how can we implement that into ours and build up our winning culture here. When when Ernie Grenfeld was let go and Tommy Shepard becomes the interim GM, Mm And you sit down with Tommy and you sit down with Ted Leonsis and they say, we want to be able to find a way to go forward with you. What do you want here? What do you want to see? What has to change? Mm-hmm. You told them what? Well, for what, I mean, it's obvious, but we got to win, you know, um, you know, I've always, I told them like, no, no player is going to, nobody's going to sit on their hands forever, you know, and nobody's going to, you know, keep chasing their tail forever. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to win, and I love D.C., and that's what I'm all about. You know, I understand that this year probably wasn't going to be, you know, our breakout year. You know, we, our, one of our best players is out, so I knew that going into the year, but to be able to see the changes we made from the facility to our front office to all the way down to the player development and even just the everyday staff that we have, it's been drastic improvements, you know, across the board. Like, granted, we still have a lot more to get better at, but you know, for, for us to do the things that we did, you know, I, I was appreciative of it. You know, it was it was totally different from where I've been here in my last seven years, seven years before that. You know, and and speaking with Ted and speaking with Tommy throughout the summer, one thing I realized is that Tommy's not Ernie, and I had to be able to man, like nip that in the bud early. You know, and realize that he's his own man. He's going to run the show the way he wants to, and uh, and. I've always had a really good relationship with him, even when he was the assistant. So it was just kind of, it was just a natural feel. You know, I was able to trust him. You know, I believe in everything that he says and, you know, he's never lied to me. So, you know, until they're, you know, they do otherwise, I'll still have their loyalty to him. How much of a part of it too, before, before the draft, before free agency was, my sense was that it was important for you to have character guys around yes. here. It hadn't always been the case. Like you said, a lot of team guys cycling through here. Maybe wasn't always at a premium. Did Tommy have to convince you that that was going to be a priority for you to buy in? It was one of my goals, and and I think it was an organizational goal as well. You know, for I mean, the last decade we've been pretty much trying to get those good character guys, guys who really just want to work hard, and you know, just 
want to dedicate themselves to the team and getting better and winning games. You know, that's that's what we wanted around here. And and for us to be on the same page with that, that was that was money in the bank. You know, granted, everybody's everybody's going to want to get paid. Everybody's you know the cap is it, it plays a it plays a factor into it, but. You know, it's it's definitely promising, you know, to be able to be on the same page as everybody and, you know, there not being any side, you know, deals that you don't know about or things happen behind closed doors that you're not always informed about. Like, they do a good job of keeping me in a loop, for sure. Last November, that practice where things just went off the rails and it got out, it got out in public, maybe a few days later, a few of us started reporting on it and different pieces of it. Was that your worst day as a wizard? Uh-huh. Was it emblematic of something that, like, it was a build-up to an environment that had maybe gone sideways and it had to be addressed? It was definitely one of those moments. It was definitely a moment in which a lot of things needed. It was, I, I could definitely say it was a build-up. It was, it was like a ticking time bomb in a way. You know, it was just a bad place, bad time. In a way, um, but at the same time, it needed to be done and said. In my opinion, you know, it was, and it happens. It happens all the time in basketball. I feel like it happens all the time in sports. Period. You know, guys are going to get on each other. You know, cuss each other out, chew each other out, and you know, you you move on. You know, to the next day. But I feel like that day specifically. I wouldn't say it was the worst day. I've seen a lot of. <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff here. Um, even my rookie year was crazy. Um, but I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot here, but it wasn't. I won't say it was. It was the worst day. I, I guess when I say worst, not when you're young and you just get here. I don't mean. I just mean the timing and how far along you were in your career here and where you wanted the thing to go. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't a kid anymore, and this thing, you're in your prime, mm-hmm. and you don't want to waste it. Right. That, that's that, and that's what it's all about. You know. Um, you know. You're going into your prime. You know, you only have a, a very small window, you know, to execute that and, you know, to be the best that you can possibly be. And for me, I'm a winner. I just want to win. You know, whether I score two points, 30 points, no matter what it is, like, I just want to win and be around guys who are dedicated to that. And that's what they're all about is winning. And granted, we didn't always have that. And last year was definitely one of those moments to where it was a bomb that went off and, you know, it was kind of unexpected by everybody in a way. But. It was definitely one of those moments where I think it, if I can go back in time, I would, it will probably happen again. And I thought it was necessary during the time. And I think it happens quite often, a lot. But um, at the same time, it's surreal in a way mm-hmm. because I've been here for seven years. And, you know, we've we've gotten better at changing our culture, of changing our attitude. But I think last year was definitely one of those moments, especially coming off the year before, not doing so well right. and then coming into this year well, the year last year not really exceeding expectations. Somebody, I won't tell you who, but it's somebody who I think we both respect, said to me that he thought that day coming out of that incident, you became the leader of that team. Do you agree with that? I think a lot of people seen it that way, but I feel like I've had some some leadership control, you know, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the team or throughout the years. Um I would say it's probably the first time everybody's heard me will have seen me in that element. I would say that. And so, and I think in that regard, a lot of people would say, okay, yeah, this is, he's, he's leading now. And, um, and it was, it, and I've, I'm always been vocal. Uh, but I think this time specifically was very, 
it was it was magnified. I mean, because everybody was in the gym and I was the only one talking, so it was. Yeah, it's pretty. We, we've all we're put, there's been different versions of what you said. I think I know the gist of it. Summarized basically enough of this. <laughs> was that probably pretty much? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, it's uh, for me, it's like it's developing good habits, you know, and winning habits, and um, you know, what does that look like? You know, especially in, in our organization, it's fair to say we don't necessarily know what they look like. You know, we don't we we haven't developed that that year in and year out, that constant consistency of winning games or being a winning team, you know, and it was just that, it was just at that point, it was just like, I was just tired of it. You know, I'm just tired of, you know, our bad habits. I'm tired of, you know, the no accountability that we have towards each other. Like it's, it was just, it was just too much, you know, at that point. And it was like, I have to say something, you know, whether it goes good or bad, whether somebody feels some type of way or not, you know, whether I get fined or not, whether, you know, whether anything happens, you know, I'm going to say what's on my chest. And I did. I've got some really exciting news to announce. We're taking the Woj Pod on the road for the first time. We'll be in Boston next month to do a live podcast on Thursday, December 5th at Emerson College. My guest will be an Emerson alum and the executive VP and general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti. Tickets go on sale today. November 15th at noon Eastern. And here's how you can get your tickets while they last. Go to eventbrite.com and search the Woj Pod. It's easy as that. Again, that's eventbrite.com and search the Woj Pod. I hope to see you there for my live pod with Oklahoma City's Sam Presti at Emerson College. Have you ever had a relationship in your life that's maybe as unique as the one you have with John Wall? The history, the growing together, the ups, the downs. You, you love the guy. You get mad at get it and get mad at each other. It's got to be different than anything else you you it's, have. Right? It's like honestly, it's like a it's like having another brother. It is like because my brothers get on my nerves. <laughs> um, I love my brothers to death. Um, but they can get on my nerves. I mean, I could probably get on John nerves. He probably, I, he probably gets on mine every now and then. But at the end of the day, we're brothers. Like, and I think, uh, that's one area of growth in which we grew together and, and matured together is just knowing that we needed each other to be good. We needed each other to be successful. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am without him. He wouldn't be who he was without me. And I think once we got that grasp, it was like nothing anybody could tell us because everybody for a second was trying to pull us apart and say, oh, they don't like each other. They, You can see it. They don't talk. They don't hang out. And it's just like. But there can be days or a week where that's true, right? That's for sure. Right. I mean, it, it could be. And so could, if you're watching it could be a, snippet, a play in the game is like, oh, damn, John didn't pass me the ball. But it's yeah. like, OK, are you going to yeah. let that carry over to the next yeah. play or carry over to the next day? And right. it's like we never let that happen. You know, and it was just whenever if we if we had a problem with each other, which is very rare, like it was very rare. I think people kind of like gassed it a lot more mm -hmm. than what it was our relationship, because um, he's he's like I said before, he's a brother to me, and I've been knowing him since I was in high school. He was in college. Um, I can remember to this day him coming to a few of my tournaments, watching me at AAU, and to see to get drafted here and be on his team and just us grow together. 
it's definitely unique, you know, because we are two different people. We're totally opposite. We, you know, he's he's on that side of the spectrum. I'm on this side, you know. But we make it work. You know, we're great teammates. We're good friends off the court. And we make it work. How has his injury and being away from the court for a very long time? Mm-hmm. How has it impacted the dynamic, the relationship? Uh, I think it's improved actually. You know, because he's. Um, you know, this is like the first time he's, it may be like a almost humbling experience in a way. You know, I feel like anybody in that position with this type of injury that it's, it's going to do that. You know, it's, it's going to humble you, you know, and he has, he has a good back. He has a good base. He has a good support system, you know, and I'm a part of that as well. And for me, I feel like it, because early in my career, that's what I was. I was injured. You know, I didn't play a lot of games. And so it's kind of crazy to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of flip, but you know, I feel like our work and our preparation and our leadership grew together. You know, our camaraderie grew together. We just continued to bond. We continued to, like, he continues to push me. He challenges me when he's on the sideline. He's watching the game. He's like, okay, I see this, 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 and that. You know, because I play a lot more point now than when he was here. I wasn't. You know, I'm, I'm running the two straight up. So when he comes, I mean, when he's not out there, it's just okay. B, you know, this is what I see. Maybe you should try this. Da, 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 da. You know, that's that's where we are. And it's just, it's just constantly getting stronger and getting better every day. In this league, the attention sort of moves around. There's certain teams, certain markets, certain t- tandems. They get a lot of attention, and then it, it kind of comes and goes. You guys were in that microscope a lot because you were good. You were a good team. You, you were arguably the best backcourt in the league that, you know, you get compared to you in Portland. CJ was younger then and you, you guys were more advanced. And when that's gone, is there a different kind of scrutiny every day to what it was like then versus now when your team's not good? It's almost like, Hey, Beal had 44 last night. Boy, he's doing everything he can for that team. But th- there's a day to day scrutiny that is gone when you're a rebuilding team. And I feel like in the outside world, yes. Me personally, no, um, because I want to win, and I hate losing. My teammates know that. Um, but I, I can definitely see how, you know, it can be, you know, kind of minimized, you know, kind of kind of like accepting that, that culture, accepting. I actually, it was crazy. I was telling one of my teammates last night, I said, we have to get a win soon. So because eventually you develop the mentality of, oh, man, here goes another one. Oh, man, here comes another one. You know, no matter how hard we may compete, we can compete with the best of them. We can score 150 points. We've shown that. But it's okay. How do you win a ball game? You know, and I think just being able to develop those constant habits of winning habits, you know, on and off the court, they're going to help us in, in many ways than not. You know, I think what you have shown people, and I think it's become more frequent in recent years, listen, it is easy to be a franchise player, to be the franchise guy when you're winning and going, it's going yes. well. And when it's not going well, it is not easy to have, to answer the questions every day, to live through the losing, all the responsibilities that go along with it. It's easier just to say, get me somewhere else. That's the toughest part. That's that's definitely the toughest part, you know, because when I come into when I came into the year, I knew that, and especially when I signed my deal, I knew that a couple of things: wins are going to be on my back, losses are going to be on my back, regardless, regardless if I like it or not. You know, I'm thrusted into this position of 
okay, you know, we win, you know, people are going to lift you up. But if we lose, people are going to bash you, you know, so you have to be, got to be prepared for it. And so that's, what, that's a thing that a lot of people don't really know, you know, behind the scenes or don't really understand is the responsibilities and, you know, the, basically what type of leader you have to be, you know, and for me, I always told myself this whole year for me is just about patience, just being patient. You know, being patient with my game, being patient with where we are as a team, being patient and understanding we have young guys. Um, we have a new system. You know, everything is new for everybody. So just that P word is going to be very adamant for me throughout the whole year. Do you sense among your peers in the league that there's a lot less patience among everybody anymore yeah. to go through what you're going through, other situations, that what you're doing, that is not in abundance around you? For sure. It's not. It's why not. Why do you think that is? I don't know. You know, because I think in today's today's game, like, granted, everybody wants to win. But I think everybody, especially a lot of the stars in the league, you know, guys want help. You know, guys don't want to feel like they got to go play 40 minutes a night, you know, just to get a win. You know, a lot of guys don't feel like that. Some do. Like, James would probably go play 60 minutes a night if he wanted to. You know, that's just... That's how he is. So a lot of guys are different, you know, but, um, for me, it's, I'm, I'm like James. Like, I want to go play a lot of minutes and try to win. Like, that's just, that's just who I am. You know, granted, our times have changed to where guys want to team up and guys want to, you know, do what's best for them. You know, there's, there's no knock on it, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in just sticking out to, you know, sticking with what you got, you know, it's, I feel like it's a better, it'll be a better feeling at the end of the day knowing, if I win a championship in D.C., I feel like that'll hold way more weight and probably way more power than if I just left and tried to get one. When you thought about that and have seen it, do you look at what happened with Dirk in Dallas and say, I want to experience what he experienced? I bet that's what I imagine it feeling 100%. like. 100%. Yeah. You know, being in one place your whole career, you know, seeing Kobe do it, seeing Dirk do it. Like, we played Dallas the first game of the year. Dirk has his own little logo on the Dallas floor, and it's like... I literally had a moment with it. Like, I was looking, I was like, damn, like, he really changed the game. He changed this city, he changed this team, this organization. And, like, he's one of the greatest to ever play. And he played all in, you know, in one, in one, one city. So I definitely think about that. It definitely weighed, it weighed in on my decision, you know, to sign back. Um, just being a legacy guy, being, being one of the best franchise players here and you know that stuff was all important to me hey guys when you're as big of a basketball fan as i am you know how easy it can be to forget about everything else going on in the world during the season so 1-800-flowers.com is here to remind you about all those upcoming birthdays anniversaries or special events that may have slipped your mind no need to panic though because 1-800-flowers will get your bouquet where it needs to go for a price that you won't believe. And right now, 1-800-Flowers is giving my listeners an exclusive 24 for 24 offer. 24 multicolored roses for $24. That's only a dollar per rose. And that's beautiful arrangements of premium roses in a variety of colors, perfect for birthdays, anniversaries, screw-ups, or special just-because moments picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness 24 multicolored roses for 24 dollars is an amazing limited time offer 
For life's most important moments, I trust and depend on 1-800-Flowers.com. To order 24 multicolored roses for $25, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code WOJ. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code WOJ, W-O-J. Hurry, offer ends Friday. What did you learn, Brad, about professional basketball by playing with Paul Pierce? Paul's a true pro. I think the biggest thing I learned is that you got to work on your craft every day, you know, and we all know that as, you know, as hoopers and even as, as experts, we know that, but to see a vet in his, I don't even remember what year it was, 16th, mm-hmm. 17th year, still be the first guy in, last guy to leave, icing his body, taking care of his body, just doing everything that he was supposed to do at that age and still playing at a high level for us, that really hit home with me. You know, it, it really made me snap out of it and realize, like, like B, you can really play for a long time. Like, you can get multiple contracts if that's what you so desire. And just being around him for a year was was amazing. You know, true leadership skills. Like, at first I thought Paul was a pure asshole. Like, I thought he hated everybody. I thought he didn't like people. I thought he wasn't a people person at all. Um uh, but it was just the, the complete opposite. You know, like he rides for his team. Like if you're his teammate, you're his boy. Like that's just how he is. But if you're on the opposite team, you know, he's he not talking to you. He's not messing with you. And so I, I've learned that and kind of developed that same mental, you know, it's, it's in a way. And then he kind of instilled a lot of that in John and I and our leadership and how we, and how we control things, how we talk to teammates, how we, you know, try to gather the troops and, you know, get things going. Um, and how to talk to each other, John and I, how, how we approach each other, how we deal with each other. Like he helped us out a lot with that as well. So he's a, he's, he's a true legend. He's a true, he's a true pro. He's a pro's pro. Give me an example of that with Paul. When you think back of something he said or did where you went, wow, I've never heard someone say that in a locker room or do a bunch of things jump out. It, yeah. It's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing um, because he's an NBA champion, you know? So whenever he spoke, we all shut up and listen, you know, because he knows what it takes to get there. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a fifty-time All Star. Like he knows what it what it takes to get to get there. So for us, it was just like, man, like we just gotta listen. Like he's he's given us the game, and it's just a matter of okay, are we gonna go out there and get it done? Like he was just always firm on just believing in ourselves, believing in your team, you know. Like and going out there and getting it done, like no matter what that meant, no matter what it looked like, no matter how good of a game you may have been playing, like stay in the moment, stay in the game, and and compete your tail off to the to the end of that to the end of that horn. Like he was, he was always about that. He was always about that. You know, he's always cheering his teammates on, rooting for the next man, um, even helping Otto in his young career and developing him. Like it was, it was big. Do you remember, like maybe early on? a hard truth he sent to you, to John, to you as a, a tandem that like you had to sit up and listen to? He told us specifically, he pointed us both out and said, we're only going to go as far as you two take us. And I think this was like right before the playoffs. And he said, he's like, we we can sit here and talk about all these X's and O's and all these, you know, these plays and schemes. He was like, but it's on you two. To, to get it done to lead us. And when he said that, I was like, damn, like, Paul, are you, 
I'm leaning on you to hell to, <laughs> you know, try to get, try to get us there. But it's, uh, that was, that was, I think that was the moment for me, you know, when he, he literally sat there and was like, B and John, like, you guys gotta, you guys are gonna lead us and we're only gonna go as far as you guys take us. And that, that hit home with me because he's a, that's a Hall of Famer telling you that, you know. I don't know if I've ever been around anybody in any walk of life who has more confidence in himself than yes. Paul Pierce has. Yeah. You, you, he he can beat Steph in shooting if you in the shooting competition if it's if you, if you leave it up to him, he believes that you know and I, and that's what I loved about it I, I loved it about him you know because that's when I look at my game and how I evolved, I tell a lot of people they're like well what did you work on this offseason I was like well my confidence and and that's just believing that you can do whatever that you want to do out there and that plays a lot in. I think it plays a huge factor into the game. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't think you can do it, you've already, you're already defeated. You know, and Paul, he was always that guy who he can go above and beyond no matter what the, what it may look like. It can be the ugliest looking, you know, situation and he's going to make the best out of it and he's going to come out of it on top. That confidence and that feeling, it's not like, you tell me if I'm wrong, it is not just something, well, I'm going to, I just keep saying it to myself so it's true. It's to me, it's the preparation every single day. The confidence comes from knowing I am prepared. I have put the work in. And if you have it, you can tell yourself anything, 100%. but deep down, you, you know, you did. You know, yeah. You always know. And I remember a quote from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan said, they asked him just like, do you get fearful? Like, do you get nervous before games or, you know, are you, you know, fearful to go out there and try new stuff or whatever? He was like, son, I've never played with fear. He was like, because I believe in the work and the preparation that I put into the game. I believe in the craft, you know, my my work put into my craft night in and night out, you know. And so when I go out there and play, it's just, it should be second nature, you know. It's just, it's just, you should be confident in knowing that, you know, you've put in all the, the energy, the blood, the sweat, and the tears just for, you know, a two-hour game, you know. You, you've been working long summer hours. During the day, during the night, you know, up all night, just trying to figure out, watching film, whatever it may be, you're dedicating yourself to the game and preparing yourself in a way, you know, that when it's time for the bright lights to come on, you should embrace that moment and know that you're going to go out there and kill it. You were the most highly recruited player in the country. Your first team All-America, you were player of the year in high school out of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Why did you pick Billy Donovan in Florida? He could have played anywhere. You're right. Uh, Billy, for me, he was the only coach that didn't guarantee me anything. He didn't guarantee me I was going to start. He didn't guarantee me I was going to play. Um, he didn't guarantee me I was going to like it. He didn't guarantee me I was going to like playing for him because he was a tough coach and he was an a-hole at times. But for me, that's what, that's, that's what it was for me. It was one, getting away from St. Louis probably as far as I possibly could. Um, to kind of develop into a man of, on my own. And, uh, two, it was just having that trust with coach because I, for me, it was just always developing a coach, a relationship with the head coach. Like your assistants, they're always going to be your backbones, you know, while you're there. You know, they're always there to pick you up and help you and help shape and form you. But your relationship with the head coach is, is everything. And we had a great one ever since I was in high school and, you know, I made my decision actually my sophomore year to him and because it was just 
I believed in what he did. You know, he put a lot of guys into the pros. Like it was a pipeline at that time, yeah. right when they won na- two national ships. It was like three years after that, three or four years after that, and he was recruiting me. So it was still fresh. Um, had a great team. I loved, I loved the state of Florida. Period, and it was just a no brainer for me, honestly. What do you think of the idea, Brad, of a shortened NBA season? It's funny. I actually said, <laughs> I said last night, I think we should have a shorter season. I feel like eighty-two is a long, long time, long, a lot of games, a lot of games, a lot of games, especially spread out the way that they are. You know the the amount, like the back-to-backs, the four and five nights. Like I feel like a lot of those things can be. We could tame those. Would you be willing to give back some money to have to do it? That's the thing. You, know, right. you got to be able to. You got to yeah. be able to do that. So I think, in a way, it's 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 twofold. You know, yeah. I definitely respect. I think Jordan said it the other day. I pay you to play all eighty-two. Like I respect that. You know, um, so I think if we're gonna cut back, we we definitely got to be open to that. You know. Well, speaking of that, you've got practice off of yes. a uh, game in Boston here in Minnesota, Brad. Hey. Thanks for sitting down. I appreciated it. It was, it was a lot of fun, Brad. My man. Thank you so much for All right. me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest, Washington Wizards All-Star, Bradley Beal. You can listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And also check out great ESPN basketball pods like The Low Post with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhurst and The Hoop Collective.